Hello, and welcome to the Leadership to Wealth podcast. I'm Neil D'Souza, your host, and I'm here to let you know that we are slightly changing our format. We are taking the most high-value moments of each conversation we have on the podcast and putting those into the audio version, which you're about to hear. You can get the entire conversation on our Leadership to Wealth YouTube page. So you can catch the rest there when you go and subscribe. Thanks for being a listener of Leadership to Wealth and enjoy this episode. Hey guys, welcome to today's show uh, here on the Leadership to Wealth podcast. We have a returning guest uh, who we had on last year. It, for those of you that remember Grant White, we have Grant uh, back on the show, of course, from Endeavor Wealth Management. And we've had so many things occur in the world, in the economy, in, in investing over the past year that we asked Grant to come back and share with us his insights. Uh, we, we had some speculations as well, but we talked about everything from crypto, stock market, real estate, interest rates, and the volatility that we're seeing across the board and what that means for you, me, and our investing portfolios and building wealth. Today's show, Grant White. Okay, Grant, there is so much going on uh, that I know that we can talk about uh, obviously, first, I'm, I'm glad to have you back on the show. Glad to be able to chat again and find out everything that's been going on. Uh, but first and foremost, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's been an interesting year, obviously, uh, to say the least. And interesting is, you know, putting it mildly in some cases. But uh, no, I'm doing really well. I mean, uh, I just got back from Portugal a couple of days ago, had a good time mm. with family and uh, was there for some meetings. Um, so I can't complain too much. Nice. Um, let's talk a little bit about what we've been seeing this year. Uh, interest rates destroying the cause for uh, what's going on in the markets or not? Oh, definitely a part of it. Definitely yeah. a part of it. Um, you know, again, here's the reality of where we're, at, where we're at. I mean, we've gone through a pandemic. We're arguably, I guess, still coming out of it, you know. Um, so we had all these issues created by the pandemic, um, a lot of money printed, uh, and, and I think it goes beyond that, though. Like you have to go back to 2008 to talk about the inflation story, because yeah. we've been printing money basically since 2008. Yes. So um, the number one tool that um, central banks have used to combat inflation has been increasing interest rates. You know, it's, it's the number one tool in their toolbox. It's kind of the easy lever to pull. Um, it was an interesting, it's been an interesting time because Certainly not in my career have we seen interest rates climbing so rapidly. Yeah, and at this pace, right. At this pace. Yeah. And so what has that done? Uh, so so the, what the, the thing that the stock market hates the most, and I'll treat the stock market like it's a living entity. It's, you know, obviously people underlying. But the thing it hates the most is uncertainty. And what this has done is create a lot of uncertainty. Central banks have basically said, we don't know where it ends. We don't know how high we have to go with interest rates. But if we guarantee you, what we will do is bring inflation into line. So what they're doing with interest rates, is, or what they're doing, sorry, with inflation, is they're telling you we're going to take a sledgehammer to what you think is going to happen. We will not allow inflation to go higher. And the reason for that 
is inflation is actually largely um, the, the reason for inflation is actually largely in the, in the human psyche. If we believe that we will pay more for something a year from now, you can rest assured that we will make sure that we pay more for it a year from now. What the central banks are telling you is that we won't allow that to happen. So if we believe that we'll pay less for something or we'll pay the same for something, largely that's going to happen. And that's, that's kind of how inflation works it, to a degree. Right. That's a big factor in inflation is what right. we believe. So they're trying to change our mentality over what the pricing is going to be in here. And, and can we just get an example of that? I, th I think when sure. we're talking about the housing market, it, it sort of makes sense. So what I'm hearing is, and uh, just for, for the, the viewers, when you've got inflation, people are worried about the price being more in the future. So they're trying to buy it today while it's still low versus the other sentiment of, hey, perhaps prices are dropping. Now they hold off because, hey, I could get it cheaper later on. Is that is that a fair description? So, yeah, to a degree. I mean, it's also saying that, yeah, so, so in the case of real estate, it's like I'd rather buy it today because I think it's going to be 10% higher next year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's part of it. Um, if, if it's a purchase that you're going to make next year, though, anyway, it's like you're being prepared to make 10% higher purchases next year as well. So like right. housing is one thing. If you're buying a house, you're pr probably only buying like the house you're going to live in. I mean, you're only going to buy that. You're not buying it this year and next year. You're just buying it this year. But other things like, you know, even groceries, you know, like that has a cumulative effect. It's like I'm going to keep paying like rent's going to be 10% more next year. So I'm going to keep buying it now and I'm going to expect to pay 10% more next year for it. Um, so the, those, those things that we're buying on a regular basis, the things that make up like the, the regular uh, uh, consumer goods. Um, yeah. So. What they're doing is taking a sledgehammer to it. There, there's two effects to it. One, I mean, rising interest rates, as they're telling you, we're not going to let this happen. Two is they were literally pulling money out of the system. We are taking money out of the system. We are reducing it. Um, and we are slowing this economy down because not only do we not want you feeling like you're going to pay more, we're actually going to try to restrict your ability to pay more to a degree. Because everything's gotten more expensive. Absolutely everything. Yeah. I mean, interest rates has a cumulative effect. It's 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 one of those hidden taxes, if you will, that goes yes. right across the board. It impacts your ability to buy more properties, more real estate, a bigger house, whatever it might be. It impacts your ability to uh, borrow more to buy a car. Like, look at even like, um, you know, look if you're leasing or, or buying a car right now. Like, what you would have paid on a monthly payment a couple of years ago is so much different, even though the cost of that car might be the exact same or maybe even less. But your payments are that much higher. So yeah. your, your ability to spend that much more money has been absolutely restricted in this environment. Um, what I think is dangerous about it is those, when they were like, you know, they just raised rates, say, for the Bank of Canada, raised half a point again today. That won't, uh, that, the impact of that won't hit the economy probably for about six months. Mm -hmm. because that's how long it takes for an interest rate hike to kind of work it through the system. So how many hikes have we done this year? I don't know the number. We've done a lot. Um, we've done a lot of hikes this year and how many of them have happened within a six month time period? Many. Mm -hmm. And, and there's yeah. probably going to be another hike next month, frankly. So yeah. we're not even allowing these rate hikes to take effect really before we're increasing rates again. Now I, that's plans. I, I, like, you know, the central bankers, they're not dumb people. They're, they're in most cases quite smart. So they know that and they know they, they just can't raise rates by 5% at one time because people will lose their minds. Um, mm -hmm. So they're doing it on a steady basis. But, you know, what's happening today won't probably take effect for six months, basically. And so I think the danger in that is if you raise rates too much and slow the economy down too much, 
Um, you know, obviously, I, I think the recession part of it's a foregone conclusion. Um, but the damage being wait a minute, done, wait a minute. What's the definition of a recession? I hear that it's changing these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, the technical recession, right, is is two quarters of decelerated growth economically of GDP. So, have we hit that yet? Technically, not in Canada. The U.S. did actually hit a technical recession. Yeah. They came out of it because uh, they had two quarters, and then they they started growing it. Um, but I think realistically, we're going to hit a technical recession uh, in 2023 um, in Canada and the U.S. That's that's not the end of the world, by the way. We, recessions come and go. We see them quite regularly. That's fine. Um, but what I think is more concerning, and I don't, I'm not a doomsayer, like, but what I, what I think is there, there's surprises that are out there that we don't know about yet. There's companies or pension funds or you know whatever that have taken on too much debt, too much leverage, yeah. and this increase, rapid increase of rates is not allowing the system to adjust. And so there's probably going to be a company or somebody or a fund out there or something, or maybe many that. Uh, taken on more leverage, and now it was manageable before. But when rates jumped up by four and a half, five percent, whatever, um, it's no longer manageable. And so, yes. can they work their way out of it? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You know. So, so I think there's some surprises out there. Uh, so far, they've all been manageable. To be quite fair, all of those right. things have been quite manageable. Um, the questions and the ones you don't know about, and and the longer this goes, there's probably going to be something we don't know about. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I like what you're pointing out because people always wonder why do we why do we have this protracted event? Why do we keep oh they raised a little bit, raised a little bit, and why don't you just do it and get it over with? You know, take the medicine. And and I think what you're pointing to and and I appreciate it, and I hope the the viewers uh, listeners are appreciating this is is that by by staggering those. It yeah. actually gives people a runway. It gives them a ramp to be able to go. Oh, this is going up. I need to make some adjustments. And the government's also tried to. They've tried to be fair in the sense of trying to say, "Hey, something. We're we're probably going to raise rates again, but they don't want to just go right out and say we're we're definitely going to do this and freak everybody out." They have to understand that people are at all different levels and with comfortability. And so they they kind of give yeah. that message, even though you and I already know that they're going to, even if they say we're, we'll consider it, we know they're going to raise rates just off of understanding the connection between uh, Canada and yeah. the United States, right? Well, I think uh, what's interesting in this economy is that um, it's actually held up really well. Like there's things that... and. You know, like employment, for example, it's still yes. it's held up really well. There's lots of jobs. I there. am amazed at how employment yeah. has held up to this. To, I'm, I'm amazed. Yeah. I've written about it a couple of times on LinkedIn, and uh, I'm actually amazed at how few jobs we've lost so far. Yeah, well, that's just it. I mean, in fact, there's lots of jobs still out there. And that's a, yeah. so that's what's giving them confidence that they can continue to raise rates. If that story was over, if we were already in recession, um, from especially like an employment recession, then I think that they would be second guessing or check double checking themselves on this. But the reality is things have held up. Even consumer spending to date has held up really well in North yeah. America. Um, if that starts to slow, if everything starts to slow, then that's the things that they're monitoring very closely right now because they yeah. they are they are going to probably force a recession here. 
Yes. Um, and then what could happen, I, I think that likely what will happen even, uh, I don't know, maybe the second half of 2023 is actually rates will start to come down a bit. Because naturally, they're probably going to overshoot yeah. to the upside yeah. to combat inflation. And then yeah. inflation numbers will continue to fall. I believe they will anyway. And then they'll probably come back on rates um, at some point. I, I I wouldn't expect they're getting back to zero though. Like you know, I think they're going to come back a little bit. Though, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So so tell me this. In your opinion, yeah. Is is do they not have to raise rates until we pull back on our spending? Like, isn't that the the whole point? Like we're we're overspending we're we're spending money we don't have we're we're dipping into credit we're doing all this stuff and don't they have to raise rates until that pulls back like to to me when i see how um consumer spending is going i'm like oh my goodness we haven't pulled back enough yet they're going to have to keep going until we pull back um so it's not spending so much it's the increase mm -hmm. in, like the pricing that's the, the problem like we, we actually yeah. really want people to keep spending money um <laughs> yes. we just don't want the price of what you're buying to go up 10 percent a year or seven percent right. a year we want it to right. go up only by two to three percent per year two percent is yeah. ideal um we're not getting back to two percent though probably for the next few years but i, I think yeah. what they need to see in a meaningful way the good news for anybody who holds like market related assets is the market is not going to wait until inflation is back at 2% before it moves forward. What it's looking for right now, all it's looking for is a meaningful drop in inflation. That could mean it goes from six down to five or whatever, you know, that's yeah. all the market is waiting for because that's the signal that what the Bank of Canada and what the US Federal Reserve is doing is working. Yeah. But there, I think the question mark out there is, are there other factors at play that are outside of the interest rate that are contributing to inflation? And the answer is yes. Supply chains have like uh, have really contributed, or the, rather the destruction of supply chains during the pandemic yes. is still a contributing factor. Now, the good news on this is that that's not gonna last forever. Supply chains are coming back online all the time. Um, China, for example, I mean, they've been, they've been doing these lockdowns. They had a zero uh, tolerance policy basically for COVID. And, um, and so that is loosening and loosening, which should open Chinese supply chains up which we order a lot of goods and stuff like that from China still in that part of the world. So as supply chains come online as well, that's going to help reduce inflation as well. So there's, there are factors that are all coming together that are going to contribute to inflation dropping down. The question is when and how fast is that going to happen? And nobody really knows that right now. So are they going to continue raising rates forever to get inflation in line? Um, the reality is they can't. <laughs> they can't because it's, it, at some point it becomes too destructive destructive to the economy. Mm -hmm. They haven't encountered that point yet. We're not even really that close to it yet. But I do think that once we go into recession, then that's the point where they're they're going to start managing that a whole lot more closely. But what I think is going to happen is we're going to get another rate hike in December, and then there's going to be a pause and then a big assessment period. How long that lasts, I don't know. Um, but I think that you will see some meaningful inflation uh, rates coming down by that time. It's not going to get back to 2% though in the next year or two though. So I think people need to pre yeah. be prepared for that. It's going to take some time to get back to that. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you there. So here's here's the real question. I mean, we we've gone into a lot of these different factors. Now the now the question is, how have you had to adjust, and how should people be adjusting? Uh, how have you adjusted, you know, for your firm through this year, and what should people be looking at to 
when it comes to building their wealth and and investing? Yeah, yeah that, that's a good question because that's what this is all about. Um, yeah. The reality is, I think what this has shown you again is that some traditional investments that you would have used have not performed as you might have expected. And, and I think what this is to say is that, so typically people have a very short term uh, view of how things work uh, in the, like from an investment perspective or even economically. And they tend to keep it within their lifetime. So like they tend to only look at what's happened in their lifetime. So for me, I'm 30, I just turned 38. So if I only look back over the last 38 years, the stuff that worked over the last 38 years is not necessarily stuff that's gonna work over the next 38 or, and hopefully longer years for me. Um, I think you need to do, and we were talking about Ray Dalio earlier, I think you need to look back much further than your own lifetime. You need to look back further even than your own, like the last 100 years and look back and say, like, what, what other things have worked during that period of time? And, and, and with the understanding that, frankly, obviously technology and, and things advanced beyond what's happened, you know, two, three, four hundred years ago. But there's elements of like looking beyond the cycles of things that happen within your lifetime. So. So typically, um, an investment portfolio, this became like these portfolios became famous for the last 50 years, the 60, 40 balanced investment portfolio. Um, what happened in the last year over this year anyway, is that bonds typically, uh, you know, safe assets like government bonds have dropped significantly this year because of rising interest rates. So they're down anywhere from 10 to 15%, depending on the length of the bond, 10 to 15% in what was a risk free, risk free asset, you know? Um, so that's down 10 to 15 stock market. If you look at the U S markets, you were down 20 to 35%, depending on the market you were looking, you were looking at, you know, let's just look at the S and P 500. So it's broad, yes. so 20 to 25% give or take. Yeah. Um, so that was down. Your bonds were down. So everything was down, you know, that you, everything was down the York. Um, there's other assets though, you know, and you know, like real estate, obviously real estate's an asset. There's other types of, um, investments like we use. Typical, uh, not typical. We use like uh, what we call market neutral investments that are agnostic of market movements. They should perform. The idea is that you know it's not a perfect uh, thing, but they they should perform no matter what the market conditions are because the hedge okay. market risk. You know, um, and there's a whole bunch of different assets. Private equity. Wait, wait, wait! Don't don't pass over that one. What's a what's a um, <laughs> a type of agnostic investment that you're referring to? Give us an example. So, yeah. So. If you go back to the beginning of hedge funds, actually, now hedge funds have been blown up, completely blown up. Like the hedge fund is now a big broad term that describes anything that doesn't yeah. fit a traditional investment. But the original yeah. idea behind a hedge fund was it was going to hedge against market risk. So what yes. I'm talking about is not a hedge fund, actually, but it's based on the original principles where you can go and buy an asset class or buy certain types of assets. Could be stocks, could be commodities, whatever it is, could even be real estate, whatever. And what you're also going to do is essentially bet against other assets or maybe even the same asset or whatever to create right. stability in the portfolio. And the goal behind right. it is not like what hedge funds have become. The goal is not to make double digits like it's a type of returns. The goal is actually just to get a consistent five, let's call it 5% per year, no matter what the market is doing. And we'll just, just the stock market as an example. If the market's down, it's trying to still get the 5% because it's going to be betting against or hedging against risks that are in the marketplace. So, you know, for example, one of the funds that we own in our portfolio is, um, is by Na National Bank. It's called the National Bank Liquid Alternative Fund. And what they buy is ETFs or exchange traded funds that are buying into commodities. And then what they're also doing is hedging against, hedging against certain risks out there to try to create more consistency in the returns. 
um, that particular investment has done extremely well for us. It's probably been our best performing, if one of our best, if not our best, um, because it's hedged against a lot of the market risk. And it's completely different than the traditional investment portfolio that's out there right now. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, so that's great. That's what's happened over the last year. But what's going to happen going forward? There's actually a really good argument to make that um, that 60-40 portfolio might do extremely well over the next few years because interest rates have climbed a lot. And if interest rates are going to start falling back at some point, then that's actually a good environment for bonds and capital appreciation of bonds. So your bonds might actually look really good in the next little while because not only are your interest rates on new bonds much higher than they were before, so you're getting, you know, let's call it four or five. If you're going to higher risk bonds, you might even be getting 8% on some bonds. Um, so you're getting a distribution of 8% or four or five, whatever it is. Um, but you might also get capital appreciation on your bonds in the next few years if interest rates fall back because of a recession. Um, likewise, if you're looking at the stock market, like stocks have gone on sale. I mean, you, yeah. you got to stick to quality, in my opinion. Like, don't don't get super speculative out there right now. But if you're buying high quality assets, high quality businesses and companies, they've gone on sale in the last year. And frankly, this is probably the best buying opportunity that you've seen since the, the bottom of the 2008-2009 financial crisis. So mm-hmm. this is yeah. not the time to be running away from the stock market. This is the time to be buying into the stock market, to be buying into these assets that have absolutely gone on sale. I mean, we're funny. I mean, people are funny. We buy things on sale. Like, you know, if your car went on sale and it was down 30% from what it was a year ago, people would be clamoring at the doors. They'd be sold out. Um, you know, likewise, groceries. I mean, I'm from Winnipeg. We love a deal. You know, bread goes on sale. If it's down 30%, guess what? Safely selling all their bread. But yeah. when the stock market goes on sale, people run away from it. Yes. And that's the exact opposite of what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's... It is a funny thing. It, even if you think about, uh, you, you know, you talk about a car going down, people would buy it. Groceries going down, people will buy it. But yet, uh, stocks going down, people run away from it. Um, and uh, real estate goes down, people run away from it. And yeah. and you sit there and, you know, within my circles, we've been talking about, oh, we're, we're very excited in the real estate market because... You know, you're you're already getting ten and twenty percent discounts at this point, and we're like, okay, here we're, we're going into winter, which <laughs> which only helps that cause right now. Yeah, you know, and that's just the that's just a reality from the investing side of it, right? And people are always wondering, well, should I should I stay? Should I sell? Should I what should I buy? What should I do? And the question is always, well what's your plan what are you trying to do long term if uh because we know that we are in at a minimum a two-year a two-year recessionary cycle that typically takes about two years if if this is a normal cycle it typically takes about two years two years for us to get out of it so if we just go on that basis hey if you're going to need money in the next two years maybe now's not the time to tie up all of your your cash, right? Or if you're oh. retiring, what's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, you know, really good point. So, uh, first of all, like if you need, uh, yeah, and I completely agree. But if you need money in the next two years, like if you know you need it for something, like whether it's like to buy an asset or to live off of in retirement, that money should be nowhere near the stock. Right, right. That, ever, ever. Like it's not like don't get speculative on that because yeah. you have no idea what's going to happen over the next two years. I think that the reality is. Markets probably are going to look really good over the next two years. I think mm-hmm. that's just based on history. That's probably what's going to be. But the, 
But the reality is we don't know that. I don't have the crystal ball on that. And so if you need that money, especially to live on, it should yeah. never be, short-term money should never be near the stock market. And it shouldn't be yeah. in speculative assets anywhere, really. It should yeah. be in much safer assets. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's what a lot of people get away from. And this happens all the time. Because, you know, when, when there's opportunities to, like, you know, people ask me, it's like, what's, what's going to look good over the next six months in the, in the stock market? I have no idea. Because, like, guess what? I can go and buy, you know, Google or Android, or Alphabet today, I should say. I can buy Alphabet today. It's down 6.3% or whatever it is right now because it had a little bit of a tough report last night. Um, what is it going to do over the next six months? I don't know. Yeah. But is it, it going to be a good company still? Probably. Yeah. Know? So, but... It's, anyway, the point is six, six months is the wrong time frame to be looking at in, when you're talking about what we're talking about. Yeah, you shouldn't be buying companies unless you have at least a five year window. Five plus yeah. years, I should say. Yeah. Uh, because you could make, I mean, odds are you're going to make money over those five years based on history, but the reality is you can't rely on the volatility of what's going to happen there. So, um, so anyway, I mean, you know, getting back to, you know, how long is it going to take now for like the market to recover, though, I, I think the what's going to happen, and this is in most cases, um, the market's not going to wait for the recession to be over. It doesn't wait for good news to be like at the peak. It's it, all it needs is like a little sliver of good news and the market's already looking past the recession. So yeah. most most markets begin the recovery. Like, frankly, we might be in it now already, um, but uh, well, we, we've see seen some, we've seen a rally going on, uh, you know, the S&P 500 was at 29,000 then, and right now it's back up around 30, 31 uh, again, right? On the Dow, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we've seen, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the total uh, has been over the last couple of weeks, but it's been nice. It's been a nice couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't think we're necessarily out of it. It's just my feeling. I don't know. Yeah. But, I think it's a little um, early for that rally, but. Yeah. yeah, there's still stuff to work out, but the most markets, when the recovery, the recovery starts before the recession hits or certainly before the recession ends and you go back yeah. right through history because it's already looking past that stuff. So yeah. wh what's really dangerous for investors right now, and, and keeping in mind what I just said about short-term money, but what's really dangerous for investors right now is there are a lot of people that, uh, because again, it's human nature to run away from pain. There's a lot of pain out there. They've run away from it. They've gone to cash. Um, and they're good. Like the answer is I'm going to wait till things get better before, and then I'll come back in. The dangerous part of that is you've just missed the best op investment opportunity. You've likely missed years worth of potential investment growth, and you're never going to get that back because time is the one thing that you can never get back. Mm -hmm. uh, so you miss this opportunity, you never get it. So I think that's really dangerous. What investors need to be uh, doing first and foremost is, um, you know, sticking to their strategy. Um, so if you're if you're feeling like you want to cash out, one, I think it's a good time to re reassess the assets you own. Are they quality assets? Are they likely to do well over the next whatever your time horizon is? Are they the mm -hmm. right assets for you? And again, knowing that you don't have the crystal ball, but sticking to your process in that. And then the other side of it is, if you have the ability to buy more, now is now is the time to do it. And again, don't, this isn't me calling the bottom. This isn't me saying the next six months are going to be the market right. going to roar. What this is me saying is that from a valuation perspective, this is the best opportunity you've seen since 2000, March of 2009. Wow. Wow. So what, for, you know, professionally, what's your biggest warnings and your biggest recommendations for people right now in, in 2022 as we're ending uh, out this year? So I, I think the biggest warning I would say is understand your time horizon of when you mm -hmm. need the money 
when you want the money and make sure that the asset classes you own are uh, correlated to that time horizon, first and foremost. Do not buy the stock market as a get-rich-quick scheme. That's the biggest mistake investors make. They think it's this get-rich-quick scheme, and it's not. And then they start thinking, it's like, oh, the market screwed me. It doesn't work. Incorrect. It works. But you have to have the right mentality around it. And I get it. It's really hard. It's no different in real estate, frankly. Uh, I mean, you have to have the right mentality around what this money is meant for and what your time horizon is. So understanding when you need the money and then buy the asset classes that correlate to that time horizon. But for your longer term money, the biggest opportunities are happening right now. And you, you're right. I mean, you could talk about, um, you know, real estate in that breadth as well. I think that, you know, there's been opportunities from the buying perspective that people haven't seen probably in a while as well. And, yeah. um, and so that's great. But I, I think that the biggest risk is not knowing, not knowing yourself and not understanding your own goals. Yeah. And also, making sure that you have a strategy that you can stick to because this isn't the last market or economic downturn you're going to face. I mean, on average, this type of market happens throughout history. This happens every four years. Right. It hasn't happened since really 08. And that's yes. why we all forgot about it. And there's right. a lot of investors out there who have never experienced it. So yes. we've all forgotten what this feels like, but guess what? This happens on average every four years. It has happened yeah. every four years throughout history. So you will see another one of these. And you need to be able to stick to your process throughout that. Yeah. Well, there's two two pieces there that, uh, one, I, I was through 08, and I'll be honest, I thought 08 was it. <laughs> when when that happened, I thought, this is the event. Um, and I actually spoke with a friend of mine at the time, uh, a poli-sci guy, and I, and I said, uh, if if we survive this, it's because some guys are going to go into a back room, they're going to have some conversations, and yeah. they're going to say, this is what we're going to do, and there's going to be a whole bunch of something that comes out on the other end. And he was like, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know. That's just history. That's how this these things happen. Otherwise, if... If you leave it to a committee to sit around and figure this out, we're over the edge before that happens. We already have that. That that was the 1930s. That was the Great Depression. I said, so, yeah. you know, here, this is something that's going to be happening. And sure enough, that's that's what that's it's pretty what much happened. Right. Yeah. Now, but what I learned out of that was you can never know the event that's going to be the death blow. You can. It, because they all look like the one before. You just don't know which is the one that's actually going to be the death blow. And so you yeah. go, you have to learn to be able to keep moving forward, make the best decisions possible in that scenario, and make sure you've got your hedge. Make sure you've got your protection, which I think you've already talked about. You've already outlined, which I, you know, I didn't know enough about in 08, you know, and uh, I was the, I was like betting on a roulette, roulette wheel, um, you know, okay, here we go. And, yeah. and I would say what you're sharing is vitally important for the listeners. Now, here's the other piece that I'm curious about to take, get your take on. Uh, the other, the other part from an economic standpoint is the more, the faster we go in and out of these cycles actually speaks to the volatility in the market. And we've actually been speeding up on the number on how quickly we're going into um, uh, these, these recessions, right? With the, with the volatility in our markets, that is, they say is an indicator and something for us to, to take into account. 
A, do you agree? And B, what are you guys doing to uh, to manage that and manage that risk? Yeah, uh, so I agree uh, for sure. I, I think that technology and access uh, to markets, uh, and, and I'll just speak from the, the market side of it. I, you know, we're, I'll talk about stock markets in general here, but it's, it's really applies to any investment structure where you yeah. can buy into. Um, the access to it has is, is really been democratized to a great degree. Like, you know, if you wanted to go buy stocks, like, I don't know, like 75 years ago, even 50 years ago, 40 years ago, you had to go talk to a broker. You had to go, like, talk, phone them, blah, blah. There was all these hoops to jump through, and they were the only ones who had market access. Today, anybody with a smartphone has market access. Um, so you can, um, I, you know, here's the difference, actually, from an advisor relationship to, uh, to, what, it, to what it was before. Um, before the advisor had the access, you needed the advisor for access, and that's a large part of what you were paying for. Today, you're not, you don't come to me or Endeavor Wealth to get access because you can get that on your own. What you're coming to me for is advice around that access, you know, and and and, and how that relates to you, to your goals. So, but the, what it's done though is it's everything sped up. Market movements have sped up because transactions happen like this. Yeah, that's true. They're very very quick, you know. Um, and, and the market gives you real-time data, which is now in the palm of your hand. So, you know, one of the biggest differences between stocks and other asset classes is it's, it's valued every single second of every day that the markets are open. I mean, no other, oh, not, not many other asset classes are like that. And what it does is create this gamification around it. And it makes you feel like, well, I mean, there's legitimate people that do gamble in the stock market. I don't agree with that. I think it's, it's silly. But... Because of it, it's like, hey, I can like, it's, I'm like, I'm gambling, I'm betting, you know, it's like sports betting, you know, it's all that it's, it, it, it creates this gamification around it, which is dangerous. Um, and all of that stuff adds to volatility and so on and so forth. Now, the good news is for disciplined investors, it creates liquidity too. And liquidity is good. Because for anybody that's a really disciplined investor that has a strategy and, and a plan, liquidity is good because you can take advantage of liquidity because things are going to go on sale at a time like things are going on sale more than ever before too so so you get these sales and it's like oh, i'm going to buy the sale just keep buying on sale and if you can do that then you're going to do extremely well over time because quality does rise to the top still and good companies yeah. that make, make lots of money will do well um how how you handle this this level of volatility is exactly that you need to have a solid plan in place you also need to have the ability to stick to your plan the stock market is not for everybody. The volatility that you see, do not fight your own human nature. If you are feeling uncomfortable, if you're feeling stressed out, then it's not worth it. And so there's, there's a balance of like growth and volatility and what you're willing and comfortable to handle. Most of my clients, 100% cannot handle 100%. Uh, can't, they can't handle 100% stock market investment. Too volatile. Because you have to be prepared to go down 50% in value in a single year and stick to your plan. I don't know how many people can feel like I can do it I, because I understand how it works. But not many people want their net worth cut in half in 12 months. And they're going to feel like, oh, I can stick to this, you know. Yeah. That's the challenge in investing in, in these types of assets that can fluctuate. And so, so how you combat it, honestly, the, the short answer is you need to have a plan that you can stick to and remain disciplined to. You also need to have um, a broad range of investment asset classes, I think, in your portfolio. Yeah. Grant, that's, that's why uh, that's why I like you because you got such big cojones. Because uh, I'm one of those, I'm one of those guys. I'm not comfortable with with the volatility in the stock market. Can you imagine that? We I talk about investing and all of this kind of stuff, 
and I leave it to the professionals to uh, to get into it when it when you talk about uh, it in the stock market. And uh, I've found, you know, there's there's people on both sides of this uh, of that uh, fence, and I'm one of those ones. I like the hands-on nature and um, and everything that you talked about with regards to the speed of it. There was something in me that it 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 always concerned me. Hence the reason that I went down the road of real estate, because um, I'm one of those guys where real estate just intrinsically made sense to me. I could see it, I could understand it, and yeah. and I built that way. And so I love what you're sharing there. If you if you're not comfortable in that area and you're not comfortable on doing something on your own, that's why you bring in that's why you go to an endeavor uh wealth management firm that's why you you do these types of things and and bring in the experts to be able to assist you so i'm not an advocate for holding any like 100 percent of any asset class just to be clear like real estate because it doesn't get priced in the same way it's not priced as often uh, as yeah. like a stock market investment uh yeah. i wouldn't still own 100 percent of my assets in real estate but i do think that people should own real estate people should own stocks people should own like the hard assets you know, you name it. Like, I think that's all important. Private equity, all of that kind of plays a role. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you guys, you guys have really been able to balance out, survive through this year, um, with, with some of your agnostic <laughs> investments, some of these types of things and going forward, what, what's happening here? Where, where, where is Grant White and Endeavor going, uh, forward from, from here? Oh, you, you know, they, so these types of events, when they happen, for any of the entrepreneurs out there, especially, these are what I call 40x events. These, because the goal should be that your business has the potential to be 10, uh, in 10 years from now, 40 times bigger than it is today. And the things that you do today can set that in motion. And so, mm. where just from a business perspective, what we're doing is trying to take advantage of every opportunity we can to set ourselves up to be 40 times bigger 10 years from today. And I think for all the business owners, the professionals that are like entrepreneurs throwing their businesses out there, that's the way you need to look at this environment because there are a lot of people, you know, just as an example. So uh, Alphabet reported, they, they didn't have a great report because ad spending is down. All these companies are reducing their marketing budgets right now because it's something they can reduce to save cash. Yeah. If you have the ability to do more right now to grow your business, I think you need to because your, your competitors are sleepy and scared. Right. So now is the time. Yeah, so we're, you, we're you're right. We're we're absolutely seeing uh, cutbacks across the board. I do think that there's more uh, job job cuts to come, and yeah. uh, it's interesting what you're talking about there with regards to the ad spend, uh, which really means for those that have the ability, you can really go and dominate a market. Uh, more get more visibility in in some of these things and uh that's uh that's really powerful and and uh in the in the different asset classes do you have a prediction on uh what moves right now over the next couple of years uh yeah that everybody wants to know what i've seen in the crystal ball what's the crystal ball (laughs) like come on come on grant you're holding out on us high quality over the next 12 to 24 months History tells us they should look pretty good. They're like, you know, like there's a lot of things that have gone on sale, and a lot of the events that we're seeing that have caused that market sell-off, um, those are short-term in nature. Um, so actually, one of my advisors here said this the other day, and I thought it was really cool. Was he said 
um, every bear market ends except for the one that you're in. Because the, the feeling is that the one that you're in is never going to end. Guess what? It will end. And it's going to end before you know it. And it might have ended already. You don't right. even know. Right. But the point is, I think over the next 12 to 24 months, uh, like stocks in general are going to look very good. Um, uh, which ones, you know, I mean, it depends on the individual, to be honest. Uh, so I won't, I won't make any, like, give you any stock yeah. tips out there. But I think that the, uh, yeah. the broader market, if you bought the S&P 500, for example, in the U.S., it's probably going to look pretty good over the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I think you're uh, a little bit more bullish than I am. I, I feel like we're we're still we still got a little bit ways to go. Um, it's just part of that sentiment, you know. It's like uh, it's especially with the uh, the U.S. saying that they want to continue to raise rates, and ca- knowing that Canada wants to uh, Canada will have to follow suit. Hence, or in in our case, be preemptive, which we just did today, and we expect it again. So. So I feel like there's still something to, to price in, but I think that's the the beauty of the opportunity. I'm with you completely on that front. Um, anything we didn't cover that that we should cover quickly? Because uh, I've I've kind of gone over your time now. Wait, what do you got, Grant? Uh, you know, I think the one thing I'd say is this. I mean, I, you know, these types of events end before you know it. And then you know, I think you make a good point, Neil. Is that are we out of it? No, I'm not saying we're out of it either. But what I am saying is that um, if you have a if you have a long term horizon on on certain assets, you need to buy when it's painful, or you, and and if it's your business, you need to make changes today when it's painful to do so. Um, and it, it's specifically talking about building wealth. Yeah, you need to make those hard. That's what good investors do. That's what the best investors in the world do and have done throughout history. And so these are those moments. So if you're looking for Building your wealth, I don't think you've seen such a great opportunity in over a decade to do that. And so now is the time to take advantage of that. But you need to be prepared that the pain might not necessarily be over. And the next six yeah. months in particular, I think, could still be quite painful. But yeah. don't worry about it. If you have a longer term time horizon, don't worry about the next six months. Continue to think longer term to the horizon. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a great point. Um that and that is a really great uh, outlook and viewpoint. I remember in 2008 when Goldman Sachs was fifty dollars, and uh, was and I was considering buying, and I let someone talk me out of it. And uh, yeah, you know, we all have one of those events, right? So um, I like the viewpoint. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, Grant White from Endeavor Wealth Management. Uh, Grant, thanks so much for coming on again. Uh, we really appreciate you coming in, sharing on a lot of topics that I know a lot of people would not say anything about. And we stayed away from uh, that thing that sounds like um, Rowid. <laughs> we didn't talk about that at all. So, you know. <laughs> this next change, yeah. yeah. Yeah, love yeah. it. Grant, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Anytime, Neil. Thanks so much. All right, guys, take care. We'll see you again next week on the Leadership to Wealth podcast. I'm Neil D'Souza, your host, and I'm here to let you know that we are slightly changing our format. We are taking the most high-value moments of each conversation we have on the podcast and putting those into the audio version, which you're about to hear. You can get the entire conversation on our Leadership to Wealth YouTube page. So you can catch the rest there when you go and subscribe.